an 82-year-old gentleman stood up and pointed at me and said, this guy is right. And he said, I'm 82 years old and I go to Planet Fitness every day and I ride 30 minutes on the stationary bike. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on episode 617 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with Carl Fix, the founder of No Surrender. In today's episode, Carl, who is a former trial attorney, shares how you can use fitness to improve your productivity and reduce your stress. At a time when many of us have too little physical activity because we work remotely, it's refreshing to learn that there are small steps we can take that will improve our physical health, leading to improved productivity and general well-being. Stay with us to hear all the details. Carl and I also discuss what it's like to work alone once you leave a firm with colleagues. One of the reasons we've created the Smashing the Plateau community is to help solopreneurs connect with one another and experience the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Now let's welcome Carl Fix. Carl helps busy professionals get back in the fitness game so they can be less stressed and a lot more productive. His Fix system is a proven roadmap for athletes and weekend warriors alike. A former trial attorney for 30 years, Carl has presented to diverse audiences, including the Connecticut Bar Association, the Travelers, and the Wyoming State Bar. His biweekly newspaper column and weekly LinkedIn posts both titled The Friday Fix, provide strategies, tools, and inspiration to stay resourceful and resilient regardless of the circumstances. Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm uh, so happy to be here. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, you, you have a very um, interesting career pivot. I'd love to hear a little bit about your career and then also what led you to this, uh, this pivot where you've, you've stopped uh, being a practicing attorney. Sure. So I went to law school and graduated in 1988, and I started practicing law. And I was on the trial side of the ledger. I mean, you basically have trial and you have transactional. One of the many reasons I went into trial work was because I viewed it, frankly, as uh, mental gymnastics. I was um, very athletic as a kid and in high school and in college, and I saw trial work as an extension of that athleticism and that competitive nature. So that's what I did for many, many years. And the first few years of my practice, I neglected my body. I was all in on the practice, the hours, not eating properly, not sleeping enough. And after four or five years, David, I realized this was not sustainable. So I had to get back to where I was as a younger guy. And I started to embed a fitness component in my daily and weekly routine. And I continued to practice for many, many years. And uh, the private practice of law is kind of a bare knuckle 
sport. And uh, I needed a bit of a break from the maelstrom. So I went into the world of philanthropy for a few years, did what I could do there, and then wanted and needed to get back in the law. So I did that in 2017. And I returned to my firm and I practiced for a number of years. But then again, it was just not doing it for me. So I started to think long and hard about something that I could do, which kind of uh, amalgamated all of my skills. And I made this pivot to found this company called No Surrender, which is a fitness and wellness-based company. So that's that's it in a nutshell. Wow. How did you figure out which pieces you wanted to be able to take advantage of, of your skills and experiences that could both help you do something that was satisfying, uh, sufficiently challenging, and also financially sustainable? Well, I, I started thinking about transferable skills. We all have them. We just may not realize that we have them. So I started to, almost as an artist takes a, a, his or her palette and mixes their paints and, and lays their colors, I started to mix certain transferable skills, uh, certain attributes. Law school is a great education, and there are many transferable skills, uh, writing, uh, analytical thinking, the ability to speak. And then I combine that with some attributes of resilience, persistence, grit, and, and so forth. And then I was thinking about this service component, that I wanted to be in service to the community, the business community, and the community at large. And service, David, has been something that's been a, kind of an enduring and a, a character trait of mine, and one I'm very proud of for my entire life. And that started out uh, when I was a kid. I was a paper boy. This is long before the 24-7 news cycle, long before the internet. I delivered the morning paper seven days a week for many years. I was uh, the breaking news guy in the neighborhood. I was in service to these neighbors delivering their paper. So I was thinking, how can I be in service? How can I share what I learned throughout my career that allowed me to practice very long hours in service to others. So that's, and it all kind of came together. And what appeared on the canvas was this company. Carl, how long did it take you once you decided that you wanted to leave law practice and combine all these skills and experiences into something new? How long did it take you before you actually moved forward with your first action step? It was about a 12 to 18 month process when I started to think about this and then put pen to paper, work with some folks, do some research, some legwork. So it was thoughtful. I know a lot of folks, some may say, just jump and the net will appear. Uh, that's, that's not the way I wanted to do it. That's not the way I practiced law. Uh, when I went into court, I was prepared I didn't go into court winging things, saying, well, it'll all work out because a lot of times it doesn't. So I did not want to jump without a net. So I kind of stitched the net together and um, it was a thoughtful, uh, calculated process. Yeah. And, and I would say most of the folks that I have observed making a major transition like this and being able to do it successfully, there's a process and a time frame for this self-reflection. It's not trivial. Agreed. And I will tell you that at the start of this process, in all candor, I had my little pity party. Uh, you know, I said, geez, what 
I've been a lawyer my entire adult life, save for that brief foray into the world of philanthropy. So I really, this is all I know. And then I stepped back and that pity party in all candor was very, very brief. And I said, well, wait a minute, you've got X, Y, and Z. So let's, let's start putting those things together. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a thoughtful process because I just, I mean, it was a 180 and let's be fair. There's a steady and generous cash flow in the legal business. And I was going to willfully abandon that. And uh, you don't do that lightly. No. What, what did people who were close to you say to you when you told people what you were planning? My family was very and remains very supportive. My close friends at the firm were, in a word, envious. Lawyers and other professionals are, I believe, very good at creating their own prisons and then throwing the keys away. And I heard various comments, David, like, you're really climbing over the wall and you're really doing this. And I think a lot of folks want to do it, but they don't. And, and here's, in my humble opinion, one of the reasons. Being a lawyer defines a lot of people. Thus, it's harder to uncouple. Uh, being a lawyer never defined me. I've always introduced myself as Carl Fix. There are other lawyers who would introduce themselves starting with the word lawyer, attorney Carl Fix. That's not the way I ever did it. My birth certificate says, Carl, I am Carl. Uh, so it was the disentanglement process, I think, was easier because although I was abandoning or leaving the law, I wasn't abandoning my identity. I was still who I was and am. So I think envy is a good word. And there were some who thought I was really kind of crazy. But I don't know if that was envy masked as, hey, Carl, you're crazy to do this. Yeah, often the people that are close in look at some of these pivots and they, they roll their eyes and they, they question it. And, and you're right. In some cases, there's a mixture of, uh, of envy and also, I think, wonder about how one can actually pull this off. Agreed. And, you know, you look at folks that have done things later in life and you, you know, there's a playbook out there. You know, I've written and spoken about my mother. My mother went back to college and got her degree at the age of 78 years old. And she did that for a number of reasons. One of them was to show her grandchildren, two of my children included, that it's, it's never too late to do anything and anything is possible. So, you know, my mother was a great example of somebody who said, I'm not giving up despite age or obstacle. And so there are a lot of stories like that out there. So there are blueprints and, you know, people have done this before. So uh, it's not like I'm Henry Hudson going up the river for the first time discovering, you know, what's beyond the now Tappan Zee Bridge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are there particular blueprints that you found were really helpful? Sure. I looked at um, other folks in this space, and, and I'll take a step back. I was told as a young lawyer that litigation is the art of imitation. I had a great mentor, and he said, anytime you're in court, even if it's for a conference, go into a courtroom, go into a live courtroom, watch the interaction between the judge, the witness, the, um, the trial attorney, and you will learn from that person. So litigation is indeed the art of imitation. So I took a page out of that playbook and I looked at others that were in the wellness space. 
And what what are they doing? What do I think they're doing right? What do I think they're not doing right based on what the market's telling them? And I kind of, as an alchemist, would put things together. I kind of put things together and made, you know, what I thought was was my, I put my imprint on it because it's, you know, people do business with folks they know, like, and trust. And people need to know, like, and trust me in order to do business with me. So I had to put my imprimatur on it. But there are blueprints out there. There are folks in this space that that do it and do it well. Tell me a little bit about the actual business itself. Who do you serve? What kinds of problems do you solve? How do you help them? Well, I speak to groups, uh, both corporate and community groups. You mentioned the travelers. I spoke with uh, plus or minus 1,400 lawyers from the travelers. And the problem that they travelers was trying to solve with my presentation was how to handle the stress of COVID concurrently with the rigors and stresses of trial work, including a, a changing court system. And, and by that, David, I mean, you know, the Connecticut court system was using the Microsoft Teams platform. But regardless, you were doing court, you were appearing, quote, air quotes, in court online, virtually. And what that's that's a game changer in this sense. Uh, for instance, I worked in Hartford, the New Haven courthouse, 45 minutes away. If I was going to court to argue a motion, that 45 minutes in that in the car was my time to kind of get my game face on, my time to think about the arguments I was going to present and then be ready when I walked into court. Uh, the pandemic changed that. It's it's all of a sudden you're sitting in your office and then boom, whether your office is at home or an actual brick and mortar office and boom, 10 o'clock, there's the argument. Not a lot of time. You're running around doing other things. And then all of a sudden you're on. So that that's a change in uh, the playing field. So they wanted me to come in and speak and give some real life and real world examples about how to handle this and how many folks can never escape the home office and some ways to do that because we're constantly, I mean, even before the pandemic, we were on courtesy of our mobile phones, but we're even more on with the pandemic where you're, you're not, you're actually living at work now because many folks are in their home offices. So that was what the travelers asked me to come in and speak about. And that's what I did. And the desired outcome was to provide actionable steps to do that. But I've also spoken to uh, community groups like Rotary Clubs and the like. And then there's a one-on-one -on -one coaching component. So what's the core of your business model? What types of revenue streams do you have in your business? Speaking fees and uh, the one-on-one -on -one coaching fees. Those are the revenue streams. I am writing a lot, as you mentioned, I'd have a bi-weekly newspaper column. I do a weekly post on LinkedIn. And I know there's a book in the future. Hopefully that will generate some revenue. Uh, I just, I'm not ready for it yet. It, I know when the time will be right. But I started last January doing this Friday fix. I did one every Friday. So season one has come and gone. I've got 52 pieces in the bank. Last week, I posted number one for season two. So I'm I'm just gathering material and hopefully uh, at some point I'll get that book put together and put out. Carl, who's your ideal client for the one-on-one -on -one coaching? My ideal client is a professional, regardless of the business, uh, who is very busy and does not think he or she has time 
to fit in any workouts or fitness components in their weekly schedule. That is my ideal client. And also somebody not later in life, because, uh, you know, we've got so many folks working and working, working till whenever, but somebody who was in the game, got out of the game because life interfered, whether it's your business life or your personal life, and would like to get back in the fitness game. So most commonly, it's somebody who knows what fitness can do. Correct. Yes. I spoke, well, I did a, a recording recently to the Greater Hartford Association of Realtors, G-H-A-R. They have a program called View from the Bridge, and I recorded that, and that is now on their website. And uh, I got a private message from somebody, a friend of mine who's a realtor, and she said, uh, it was very inspiring. Thank you for the time you took to encourage us realtors to get in shape. It's truly in this industry, and I'm trying to get better at it. I exercised after listening to you. That made my day. Because if I can reach one person who will get up and move, then I, I deem that to be a success. That's great. Carl, what do you find works well in terms of business development for, for speaking and for coaching, given who your audience is, particularly where we are now, kind of, uh, I guess, almost two years in on COVID? Uh, well, I think... I think when I get out and speak with groups, whether it's live or virtually, I've got to give them uh, examples of what has worked. And I'll, and I'll provide one anecdote for you. I spoke to a group, ironically, the day before Thanksgiving, we were talking about fitness and you know everybody eats too much on Thanksgiving weekend. But I was giving examples of how I like to work out in the morning and how that I get these great ideas when I work out. So when I get to the office, I'm, I'm ready to go and I can handle whatever comes at me. And when I finished my talk, an 82-year-old gentleman stood up and pointed at me and said, this guy is right. And he said, I'm 82 years old and I go to Planet Fitness every day and I ride 30 minutes on the stationary bike. And everybody's jaw, they knew this guy, but to hear this, and I, I had not spoken to this gentleman before I got up and, and talked, but it was a glowing endorsement from somebody who, again, in his 80s, who was validating everything that I said. So it was really a, it was really kind of a cool moment. And I said, well, there you have it. You know, this, look at this gentleman. And uh, he started ticking off all the things that the workouts did for him. Uh, and how it allowed him at the age of 80, you know, his early 80s, to just live a, a fuller, more uh, joyful life. Right. And a stationary bike is something that is um, certainly manageable and one can handle at that age. Right. And, you know, something else folks can handle is you don't need fancy equipment. You know, we're inundated with ads for fancy equipment. You don't need that. And as of, for instance, if folks live in a town with a high school that has a track, you can go to the high school and you can get a nice 20-minute workout. You can walk one loop, which is 400 meters, a quarter mile. And then if you want, do a slow jog for the next loop and then walk and then a slow jog. Do that for 20 minutes. That's a fantastic workout, and that's free. All you need are running shoes and or a good pair of walking shoes. And that's something that folks can do that uh, does not take a lot of time and does not take a lot of uh, no fancy equipment. 
That's right. And even without a track, you can still just do this in your neighborhood, wherever you live. Absolutely. You know, you can you can step off and, um, you know, run from light pole to light pole, uh, run to a light pole, walk to the next, run to the next and so forth. So, no, you're correct. You don't need a high school track. It just kind of makes it a little more convenient if you've got access to one. Well, Carl, congratulations on your career pivot. What you've built in your business sounds fantastic. What's your dream for it? Where, where would you love to see this go? I would love to be speaking uh, once or twice a day to large groups and getting more people out there moving. That's the key, David, is to just keep moving in some way, shape, or form. You know, I've joked with folks, everybody's been stuck in the airport in Atlanta changing flights. If you're stuck for two or three hours, take a half hour walk. It's wonderful. There's great people watching uh, and it'll kill time. And you're really doing two things at once. It's, so just keep moving. Park as far away as you can from the entrance to the store you want to shop in and just walk. So if I can get more people up and moving, uh, I will be very, very happy. Sounds great. Well, Carl, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and, and share your insights. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed, um, learn more about you and your business or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me, David. Uh, my website is carlfix.com, C-A-R-L-F-I-C-K-S.com. And if they go on carlfix.com forward slash free, uh, I've got a, a gift for your listeners. It's uh, 10 steps to get back in the fitness game. These are just things that have worked for me. So I would offer them to your audience and I invite them to be playful with them. Uh, one or more may uh, resonate with them. Uh, just some, again, some steps or tips to get back in the fitness game. That's great. Thank you, Carl. We will include those links in the show notes. My guest today has been the founder of No Surrender, Carl Fix. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, You'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. The kind of career pivot that Carl made takes courage, confidence, and support. Courage and confidence are supported when you're in a community with like-minded individuals. That's why we created the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.